Welcome to the Stumcast. Science, engineering, technology, mathematics. And that's Jessica. And that's Elizabeth. And we're also here to answer your questions because we know everything about everything. Right, Elizabeth? Isn't that what engineers do? Yep. And that is why I can't find a job because I walk into every interview and tell them I know everything. And then they tell me to get out. And then they're like, where's the coffee machine? And you're like, I don't know, in the kitchen. But then it's an office, you know, offices, they have coffee machines everywhere. And they're like, she obviously have never worked in office before. Exactly. And then they just don't hire me because I'm a fool. That about that anecdote. How is it in Sweden? It's cold over there. It's cold. There's no snow. It's dark. I have candles lit all the time, but I went skiing this weekend. Nice. Not in the mountains, yeah. though. No, I went... Some people call it Nordic skiing. Some people call it cross-country skiing. Why don't you call it Nordic? Well, they do it in Switzerland as well. Okay, yeah, that's true. It's like American ball. It works because they only do it in the Americas, but... In America? <laughs> oh, yeah, in the America as well, so... Yeah. <laughs> It's not like you call it British cricket or like Indian cricket. Well, that's nice. I haven't gone skiing yet. It's not even snowing here. It's freezing rain. It's like so cold and rainy and wet, but not snowing. I'm like, please, why can't we just have it cold and snowing? Not just cold and freezing rain. I forgot that the gears of my bike could freeze. So I'm pedaling like crazy on the first gear, you know? Oh, you bike to work? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I mean, not now, in the dark and in the cold. (laughs) Yeah. We went skiing and I was thinking, how can there be any snow here? Because it's super pre-season. It's been cold for like a week and it hasn't been snowing. What I learned is that apparently they save snow from the year before. Like the previous winter. Yeah. How do they save it? They dig it on the ground. They put it underground. Yeah, so they make a big hole and they fill it with snow and then they put ships of wood above it and then like ground above it. They keep it on the ground over the whole summer until the next season. That's crazy. I didn't even... Wait, so you're telling me where they keep it is below freezing, even in the summer. They isolate it properly enough with with some isolating materials such as wooden ships. Wow, that's impressive. But also, why? Don't you just have snow the next winter? (laughs) Well, people want to start skiing before there's snow. Ah, I understand. Okay, that's pretty cool. I don't know if this is a Swedish thing, but there's an industry for everything, you know what I mean? Yeah, but what do you mean? (laughs) There's so many businesses that you never thought of that affect your hobbies or everyday life but there's actually people working with this deciding thermal storage for summer snow yeah if i did that i would definitely be like oh just need to go test out the snow guys and then i would go skiing half the day (laughs) you would do that too yeah (laughs) maybe someone is pouring water down the rivers where you kayak like someone is pouring water further up the stream yeah because i mean you could just keep following a river and it goes forever. And then you come <laughs> yeah, to a lake and then you're like, what? But the water here what? isn't moving. How is it possibly connected to that river? Makes no yeah. sense. That's why global warming isn't real. Okay, that stands for you then. It doesn't okay. stand for this podcast. <laughs>
but yeah, apparently when they save the snow, 30% of what they store is uh, getting lost. But hey, it's still more efficient than a combustion engine. That's true. That's true. Uh, but I mean, only losing 30% is pretty good, especially because it doesn't sound like they're putting any energy into it. Well, aside driving the trucks. Yeah, but it's not like they're there. <laughs> I'm just picturing a bunch of scientists uh, putting a whole bunch of snow in freezers and then putting the freezers underground. I don't know why. Yeah, but you know what they also do is to avoid getting the glaciers to melt off. They cover them with white to reflect off the heat. Yeah, didn't we see that? Didn't we see on some glacier in Switzerland? I didn't think it was white fabric, though. Wasn't it thermal blanket mirror fabric or no? Uh, I don't think I was with you at that occasion, but I saw white fabric ones. Maybe you s- I've also seen the ones that looks like aluminum foil. Okay, okay. So I think I saw the one that <coughs> looks like aluminum foil. Maybe scientists are wrong about the aluminum and it's actually... Because if you put... Think about it. Think about it this way, Elizabeth. If you wrap yourself in an aluminum blanket, that's like a thermal blanket for when you have hypothermia, right? So if you wrap the earth in a hypothermia blanket, you're going to be warming up the earth. So maybe if we got rid of all of the blankets covering the earth, we can end global warming. But you know that if you're cooking something and you don't want it to burn on the edges, you always wrap it in aluminum foil. But I know this because I I was cooking yesterday for the first time in my life almost. And uh, it was about to get burned in the oven. And I was going to have guests and I was like, oh shit, I can't serve uh, burnt food. And then I googled like, how do I mitigate food from being burnt? And I use mitigate because that's a science word and that's how we Google things. And uh, I and they said that I should wrap it in aluminum foil. Wait, so the, why didn't you just take it out of the oven? Well, because it wasn't cooked truly. Ah, okay, I see. And I wanted it to cook truly without getting more burnt. Okay, but so now the we're just cooking the inside of the planet. Yeah, we'd also say that the net heat is probably warmer, but you avoid the obvious melting. Yeah, no, I I just did a lot of shitty-ass science reading on the Reddit thread, and now I just feel like I'm bullshitting everyone all the time. (laughs) But this episode, you have a list, a list of lists. Yeah, do you have it as well? Because it's just awkward if I'm going to read for you. No, I have it on my phone also. Let me just scroll up. Okay, scrolling. (laughs) Because if we're going to have a podcast where we just read stuff to each other without any discussion, then I don't know, then it should be called the Readcast. (laughs) No, I have it here. Oh, I know the guy that posted this. I have him on LinkedIn. Yeah, so I guess a lot of people contact us about how they should succeed within their career. Mm -hmm. I feel like I can't really help you because I can't really manage my own career right now. Yeah, same. What I did when I was searching for motivation and searching for inspiration on how to find my path, I took a lot of help on LinkedIn. Yeah, to be honest, I don't spend that much time on LinkedIn because I haven't recently been looking for a job or anything like that. But, I mean, whenever I do sign in, I do see articles posted. Like, there's so many articles. Basically, it's like Facebook, right? Not only do you have people posting interesting things about getting jobs or about what companies are doing, but also companies and companies' employees are, like, sharing company updates. 
And big companies will share things about like the type of person that they employ or like how they're striving to make a better impact in whatever. And yeah, it's more common for companies to have blogs now and hired staff to write for the company blogs. So there's really a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. Yeah, so instead of just asking us, how do I get my dream job, which <laughs> we can't really answer because I don't think neither of us are at our final dream job yet, although we're working on it. Yeah. Try to use your LinkedIn network or if you find some articles about career paths or career goals that you find really good, drop that guy a message or send a friend request and say, hey, I like your article and I would like to see if there's any potential synergies in the future. Yeah, that's a good idea. Also, that's like the whole point of LinkedIn. Like you follow people, you comment, you yeah. slowly creep them, you tweet at them, you yeah. get into their DMs, you demand for a job, you email them your CV, and then that's how you get hired. Yeah, but in the beginning at LinkedIn, I was just adding all my classmates. Look, we're a bunch of students that are friends on LinkedIn. But now if I see someone write something interesting, I send a request and then I write a message within the contact request. Like, hey, I really enjoyed the piece that you wrote here and there. I like this and that part in particular. Let me know if there's any potential synergies or let's stay connected. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I get requests from people from my old school and yeah I add them but at the same time I'm like I think we're all in different connect in different paths so it's all yeah it's good to grow your network but I think like you said yeah. if, if you connect with someone or if you think that there's like somewhere for you to learn something from that person or to um, share your thoughts with a different person then you can add them but also add like a, a note going along with it. But another hack is like when you're at a conference or anywhere, I never yeah. bring business cards because I don't believe in business cards. I hate the extra waste. <laughs> yeah, It sits in someone's pocket until they're finally like, oh, I have to put this into LinkedIn or, or write an email or else I'm going to like lose this email forever. Instead, I always just when I meet someone, I'm like, oh, what's your LinkedIn? And then I add them right on the spot. But do you want to know a real LinkedIn hack? Yeah, I want to know. You open the LinkedIn. This is like a commercial for LinkedIn. We're not sponsored. But if LinkedIn wants to sponsor us, well, you won't. Okay, either way. You go to the LinkedIn app. Then you go to the tab for friend requests. And then you can show find in the nearby area. Then it tries to connect with Bluetooth to other people that are on the same tab at their LinkedIn. So if you're at the table, if you're at the table at the dinner at a conference, you can be like, "Hey, let's all connect," and then everybody starts this, and all the people that you're sitting in the nearby area with that has this tab open will appear. Oh, that's smart. So you don't even have to learn the names. <laughs> See, technology eliminating things that don't even need to be in your brain. The most advanced conference I was at had like an app in beforehand so you could practice the names. <laughs> no, really? Yeah, with like pictures and names of something about each person. Wow. What yeah. did they write about you? A uh, chemical engineer. Okay. From Sweden, living in Switzerland. <laughs> she loves horses. <laughs> no, actually, they didn't say that.
Either way, I found this article that I really liked on LinkedIn and it's written by engineering career coach called Thomas Anderson and he has a website called Engineer Your Career, which I think is a very funny name. It's a well-engineered name and he have written a post that is 10 qualities that get young professionals hired. And since Jessica and I don't know how you guys can get hired, we figured maybe we can just discuss this article. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not reading this for the first time right now because I'm a responsible podcast host and I would have definitely gone through it beforehand. Let's say which one spoke the most to you of these uh, qualities? I think situational flexibility. Yeah, that's not that's not the obvious one because some of the others are quite obvious. When you think about it, it's so important but it wouldn't come to me just out of the blue yeah like the thing that companies value the most or one of the things that companies value the most is adaptability yeah so like companies don't want people that are gonna do the same thing forever like companies want to grow that's the whole point of being a company their goal their sole goal is to grow to make profit if they stay the same and have the same profits year after year that's seen as like a failure in a company you don't i think a company that wants to grow will also want its staff to go grow because how could a company grow without employees that grow I think it's pretty easy for us like you know we come out of our first job we're ready for like new challenges blah 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 but people tend to get stuck in the same routine and then it's hard when you're out of university Mm. for like seven years to start learning new things but that is I think the thing that companies would value the most like you're like no I want to stay with this company I want to work up the ladder or I want to learn like I want to first I want to do like tech then I want to do project management the one hand is growth so that you can follow along with the company and then the second one is growth so that you can move within the company so a company wants to grow themselves but they also want their staff to grow but this is also a post that I see uh, on LinkedIn. It's like a picture that I see a lot of people share. And it says, the CFO says like, what if we invest in our people and they leave us? And then the CEO answers, what if we don't invest in our people and they stay? Yeah, like if you invest in your people, they will develop and then they might find better options, opportunities. But if you don't invest in people, you will have like a setback mindset that might... might oh, I get it. Company. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, what if you don't invest in your people and then they're just like these same gray blobs that are doing the same thing every day and not using their all of their brain? They're just using the same part of their brain every day and then they just stay striving for the like striving for the extra is what will make your technology be outstanding. Yeah. I mean, so personally, I most identify with this one being flexible. Sometimes I not only think about what should I show the company, but I think what should the company show me. And if a company would value this feature of me, I would be very prone to work there. So which one is that? For situation flexibility as well. Uh, uh. I would like to work at a company that encouraged me to be quick on decision making and have a short reaction time and be able to make my own decisions in like pressure situations. What other one stuck out to you? Well, for me, it's self-knowledge because I just recently discovered how important this is. 
in this article is described as know what you want to do and have a specific interest in the job. In engineering, you learn all these things, but what are you actually interested in and what do you actually want to work with? Not the external pressure of like what the market says you want to work with or what the cool company does. Think about from within, what do you actually want? And I think that's really a key to be successful. You can always do a good job. You can do a good job by having grit. You can do a good job by being motivated to earn money. But I think at some point to do an excellent job, you need to know what you really want and what you're actually good at. Like doing what is your time the most well invested. I agree because it's also, it's kind of like the way I look at (laughs) self-knowledge is actually self-awareness. Which is exactly what you just said. Know what you want. Don't just do something because the market says it's what you should be doing. And that's like, yeah, that's self-knowledge, self-awareness. Being aware of yourself, being aware of your desires, of what you want to learn, of what you want in life. But I think together we picked out the most important traits. I think all of them are really good. Well, should we read the list to the listeners since we've been talking about this list and we didn't even say? Yeah. In the article, uh, Thomas states that he asked a lot of professionals that hires recent graduates what they look for. And these are the most frequent. It doesn't say that it's the most frequent, but this is what they look for according to the people he talked to. Okay, so the first one is self-confidence so he describes self-confidence as fearless and asking questions poise and a little grit I don't know what a little grit means I guess it's you know grit but a little bit of it (laughs) (laughs) well fearless and asking questions and poise that's written there to not be confused to to not confuse self-confidence with like being cocky because I think some people don't realize that you can be self-confident like you know fearless and and asking questions like be interested in the company don't worry about what they're gonna if your question is stupid like show your interest in the company but not self-confidence like oh I definitely deserve this job yeah in job interviews you generally have this opportunity to ask questions but in some at some companies they really evaluate the questions you asked. The questions should have a further depth. How do you balance life and hobby? It should be, why did you choose this firm over the main competitors? You should ask questions that have a true interest in the company. And I guess that might something that tests this self-confidence. Do you dare to ask these, I don't know, non-common questions? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I So I listened to this other podcast called No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis. And basically, she's an ABC anchor or reporter. I don't know. But she has this podcast yeah. where she interviews women, quote unquote, playing at the top of their field. So she interviewed, I think, Randy Sandberg and uh, I don't even know, like Carly Kloss and Ursula Burns. And all of these women that she interviewed, I, rem- I don't remember who it was, but one of them she interviewed. So the person that she interviewed does a lot of interviews for the big company. And yeah. Rebecca was like, what is one no-no? Like that will automatically, you won't hire someone for. And the lady said, oh, if they don't ask a question. If someone yeah. doesn't ask a question at the end of the interview, when I say, do you have any questions? 
that's a really bad sign and I would never hire someone. Like that you don't have an interest. It can be that you're not well prepared, that you haven't read into the company. Or it can also be that you don't have the confidence to ask someone a question. And how will you be able to work at a successful company if you don't dare to ask questions? Well, and also, if you don't have any questions for the company, then I feel like you haven't pictured yourself there. Or like, picture what the role will be. I feel like I would have a lot of questions like, will I be working alone how does the system work? Like, do, do the interns only do this kind of work? Or do they work closely on the floor with the other engineers? Or do you like working here? Like, there's so... Or, like, how is the company culture? Since when have you guys been working here? Like, you can ask questions back to the interviewer. Yeah. If you if you think you know everything about the company at the job interview, then then I think you're a bit off. Um, There's always something to learn. Yeah. So then after that we have self drive, and that's described as passion for the job, willing to do what needs to be done. Yeah. And uh, I I personally dislike micromanaging people just from like in school when you had group projects I really disliked having to micromanage someone and I guess this comes from that that you should figure out what to do and get it done well yeah that's the other problem when people are just like oh you didn't tell me to do that or like oh I don't know it's like just use your brain <laughs> yeah um, I, hate, I hate when you're like in a group project and someone says there's nothing to do oh there's a lot of things to do you just haven't figured out how much we have to do the further you dig down a hole, there's more to think through. Speaking of group projects, the next one is having a positive attitude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ready yeah. to take on but, any challenge. But the more I work, the more I realize how important it is to be surrounded with people that I respect and that I like. Yeah, I think po- having a positive attitude, I mean, I think it'll come with not only doing what you love, but also... Do you ever feel like we're, I don't know, I think we've had this conversation before when we weren't recording, but do you ever feel like sometimes as millennials, we're, we're just like never satisfied with everything we have? Like we're all like, I don't know if it's because we haven't found what makes us happy yet, or if it's because we're millennials and we'll never be happy so the positive attitude thing, I want to say, like, I'm, I think if I found what I wanted to do, I would be happy. But then at the same time, yeah. you have to be like, you have to be self-driven for happiness. Like nothing in life will make you happy. Like people won't make yeah. you, won't make you happy. Like people will always disappoint you. Your job will always disappoint you. It's like, you have to figure out how to be happy despite all of that. I think that just got I, really I serious. I think we... I think our generation have so many options and we're continuously exposed to them. So at some point, you have to decide that you're happy. You will always be exposed to someone having something that might appear better. And you always have the option to feel like, oh, I want that life or feel that you're happy with what you have. A positive attitude. Like it's really an attitude that you choose. Yeah, and that's not to go with like people that have, that's not to say like, (laughs) Just be happy to people that, you know, are depressed. Like, that's not what we're saying here. We're just talking about, like, I don't know, for at least me, you know, 
it's like this endless chase of like, oh, when I graduate, I'll be happy. Like when I get this job, I'll be happy. When I have an income, I'll be happy because then I'll be, I'll be done like struggling. And, but I don't think that's the case. Yeah. With work, there's always new tasks. There's always something to do. When you finish one task, there was, there will always come something new. You always have to take on these challenges with like, a strive to perform and that leads us to the next one that is genuinely strive for excellence yeah that's good and i think these two are very interconnected that a conducted project you need to grasp it with a positive attitude and an open mindset and then throughout the work you have to strive for excellence and here they describe it as dedication to getting your work done while paying attention to detail i mean yeah, I feel like genuinely striving for excellent, ex, excellence, 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 kind of combines self-driven self-knowledge mm. and positive attitude. Like, yeah, yeah you're self-driven. If, if you have those, if you have those three, you you genuinely strive for excellence. I would say. Yeah, I would say so too, because yeah, it's like you're striving for excellent. You're self-driven. But for excellence, which is like kind of for yourself and for the company. Next one is strong communication skills. That's a big one. <laughs> I don't know. But I think that I think that one is easy to test. But I also think that's one that a lot of people fail without realizing it. Yes. How so? Because I think it's very hard. I think it's hard hard to know whether you're a good or bad communicator until you've actually been in like a managing position and tried to manage people. Yeah, that's true. Because if you think something is like clear, it might not be clear to like 12 different people. Team oriented is the next one. I feel engineering companies and tech companies should do more of those soft skill interviews to get the sense of like, do I have like leadership skills or team team skills or like, can I work in a group with people? And I feel like that's a huge problem with like engineering and tech companies. Like they should put more uh, focus on, I don't know, teamwork. I think they're softer on that for internships position than for permanent positions. Maybe. Because as an, as an intern in Switzerland, you can be replaced tomorrow you know yeah makes me feel good there's always people wanting to come and work in switzerland yeah where if you're for a permanent position and especially like in sweden where if you're if you're a permanent position you're really they really have to keep you and then it's really important for them to test them so the company where i'm at right now during the interview we had like a full day of assessments and we did online tests on like who you are as a person. Then we had group interviews and we had group tasks where we had to like solve resolve an issue in a group with people you've never met before. I think that's a good so so clearly, yeah, you're right then. Team oriented is what I would say most companies are looking for. I don't think they do that for like PhDs either. Okay, they might have some for PhDs they might have some interviews where they test your interpersonal skills but they don't have any practical tests for that although a phd is like it's a three to five year commitment so when they hire you they choose to work with you for that long time so maybe they should have that yeah that's what i'm saying i don't know but i think that's something that is increasing now i think that's that's growing so so yeah the next one is also quite team oriented because that's leadership 
Yeah. I would definitely say leadership goes team oriented because leadership is like not I'm the king, but like more like the manager. Yeah. And a big difference when going from uni to work is that and a big difference when going from uni to work is that in university, your team is quite uniform because everybody shows to study mechanical engineering at that university. Whereas when you come to the office as an engineer, you, you of course, you had to work with your engineering team, but you also had to work with the controllers that has background in finance. You had to work with HR people. You have to work with the people that sits with the sales department and that sits with the buying department. Then you had to work with the customers. And you have to be able to lead and influence a, diff- a lot of different kind of people. And um, I was just going to move on to the next one. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Situational. Oh, we did that one already. <laughs> Trainability. Willingness slash desire to learn. That one goes with situational flexibility. Yeah. And also trainability. Well, most people that have passed engineering school, they're obviously trainable because otherwise they wouldn't be able to pass <laughs> some of the courses. Yeah, I mean, that's why, yeah, I mean, I think that's why people (laughs) like um, engineering and science majors, like, even for non-engineering and science jobs, I think it's just generally because, like, of the situational flexibility, like, ability to adapt to change and problem solving and reaction time, but also, like, willingness and desire to learn. Yeah, but I think they always say that, yeah, what's good with engineers is that you can train them and everything. But what's not pointed out here that I think is often neglected in the discussion is that it has you have to have a desire to learn. Like, okay, yeah, you were able to learn Termo 2, which is the worst course ever. But if you're, you might be totally unwilling to learn project management and then it doesn't, all the effort in the world won't help if you don't want to learn it. So for like when you apply for a job, if you're if there's something that might be missing from your CV that they're looking for, make sure that that's something you're actually willing to learn. You don't neglect it because if that's what they expect from you, and yeah, if they invest in you and invest in you getting you the opportunity to learn something, make sure that it's something you're willing to do for them. Oh yeah, I mean, I remember my like engineering ethics or economics courses I didn't care I was like I'm just gonna aim to pass and I wasn't that type of person (laughs) I would always aim for an A and in these situations I was like I'm aiming to pass because I I like I I don't care I don't care at all yeah yeah I agree I think this was a really nice article by Thomas Anderson yeah You can put a link to the article in the show notes for anyone interested. Yeah, so we get a lot of these questions like, how do I land my dream job? But it's a work in progress. And I guess when you're at what you thought were your dream job a couple of years ago, there's always the next step on the ladder. And this kind of articles on LinkedIn might be the inspiration or finding the right kind of people that inspires you and open up new doors for you through podcasts or books or articles or anything. Yeah, so start by following this podcast on LinkedIn, and we will share (laughs) that article. And you can also find it in the show notes. If you have any favorite uh, LinkedIn articles, send it to us. Yeah, and we'll share them on our LinkedIn. So, 
if you want us to call you next time. Yes, we miss talking to people. Please email podcast at stemmin.com. We want to talk to you. Right. And it's Christmas soon, so someone should be freaking out over exams. Yeah, why? Maybe that's why we're not getting any emails, because everyone's like, doesn't want to talk to us? They're too busy? I don't know. Yeah, I assume so. Nerds! I'm just kidding. No, it's okay. <laughs> We've all been there. Never forget. Never forget the hard time. In I, won't, I won't forget my roots. But yeah, send us an email at the podcast at stemmin.com. And please rate and review us because it really, really helps us. And we love you so much. Thank you for listening. Ciao. Bye.